Greetings. Welcome to another episode of Rightly Divide the Word of Truth. This is Andrew S. Baker, and I'm your host for these Bible study podcasts. Today we are continuing with our review of the key principles of effective Bible study based on a booklet of the same name available on our podcast page at biblestudy.asbzone.com. This podcast is inspired by the following Bible verse, 2 Timothy 2.15. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So what is the goal of this series of studies? It's to help you obtain greater value from your Bible study and devotional sessions. These episodes are about 15 to 20 minutes each, and focused on key principles that God teaches us through His Word. Most people know that Bible study is essential to the Christian experience, and many people realize that without prayer, Bible study is futile and unproductive. But there are other, less known principles that the Scriptures also teach us, and our goal is to present them to you. These will help you to see God's Word in a more expansive way and will assist you in becoming just like the noble Bereans of Acts 17, 10 through 12. Today's study is entitled, The Future is Manifest in the Past. Let's have a word of prayer to begin. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your mercy and your love to us. We thank you for your holy word. And we ask you, Lord, for wisdom and understanding that we may rightfully handle your word, and that you will help us to gain something valuable from this study. In Jesus' name, amen. The future is manifest in the past. What does that even mean? It means that you can see hints of the future in how the past was managed. And we're going to look at some verses which spell that out for us. God has promised that he will reveal to his servants those things that they need to be prepared for the future. In addition to prophecy, history is one of the methods by which God accomplishes this revelation. This principle is closely related to the type-antitype principle, which is why we referenced a couple of the verses you're going to see shortly. The patterns of activity and behavior in both the Old and New Testaments help us to see how God will act and how he wants us to act in the future. While God is capable of operating in any manner of his choosing, the Bible record reveals to us that he has chosen to operate in a consistent fashion throughout history such that we can understand his dealings with us. Paying attention to these patterns enables us to discern when God is actually involved in something in our lives and when he is not. This was the same principle that Jesus was using when he made the following statements. In Luke 17, 26 and 28, he said, As it was in the days of Noah, he also said, and as it was in the days of Lot. Do you want to understand some of the challenges that God's people will encounter just before the end of all things? Then take a close look at what the Israelites faced just before they crossed the Jordan River and entered Canaan found in Numbers 24 through 26. Do you want to understand who the 144,000 of Revelation 7 are and what their role might be? Then take a close look at Gideon's army, Judges 6 and 7, and at all of the other instances in the Old Testament where God numbered his people. There are many aspects of the future that God intends for us to know, 
and he uses both prophecy and history to show them to us. Thus, we should be willing to seek out patterns that help us to better understand the principles of the Bible so that we are prepared. The future is manifest in the past. Let's look at some verses that help explain that. And as always, they'll be from the King James Version. Ecclesiastes 1, 9 through 10. The thing that hath been, it is that which shall be. And that which is done is that which shall be done. And there is no new thing under the sun. Is there anything whereof it may be said, See, this is new? It hath been already of old time, which is before us. This is an awesome passage. Awesome passage. Solomon is talking approximately 3,000 years ago. He's talking approximately 3,000 years ago. And he points out that at that time, 3,000 years, which as Bible-believing Christians, we believe the earth to be roughly 6,000 years old in terms of habitation, at the halfway point of the earth's human history, everything that, that was to be done had been done. Everything. All of the modern technology and stuff that we believe is so awesome and, you know, nothing like it ever before in history. There are lots of things that were done by the people before the flood that was destroyed with them. And you have to believe those people were smarter than us for a variety of reasons that we won't even get into right now, other than the fact that, that they lived a lot longer than we did, so their knowledge could increase a lot better. They were closer to their pristine mental and physical stature as created by God. Okay? And they built things, the folks immediately after the flood built things that continue to remain today. So you can only imagine what would have happened before. And God's testimony of them of the of the Babel builders was, and this they begin to do, and now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. Okay? They were going to build a, a tower whose top reaches into heaven. And the Lord said, we have to interfere this because they have determined to do this and nothing will be will be prevented from them. So God knows that they knew more than we know now. And they did it without technology. Okay. Amos 3.7, we referenced this in a previous episode, but it is very applicable here. Surely the Lord God will do nothing, but he revealeth his secret unto his servants, the prophets. A reason why we know that biblical transitions are conducted in a consistent fashion, because God is always going to tell us that these things are going to do. He's going to reveal his movements to his servants, the prophets. Does he reveal every single thing? No. The Bible tells us that the secret things belong to God. But the things that are revealed are for us and our children. So he reveals some stuff for our benefit. And he promises here that he will re reveal things that he's going to do. And so everything from now till the close of probation, until the second coming, and until the eradication of sin is outlined for us. All of the major milestones are outlined. Deuteronomy 29, 29, the secret things belong unto the Lord our God. But those things which are revealed belong unto us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. 1 Corinthians 10, 11. Now these things happened unto them for ensamples, and, are, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Right? So Paul telling the Corinthians, these 
accounts of the Israelites that you have are for your understanding in the end time, or their time more precisely, but, but it applies to us in the end time. It's for us to understand how things are going to operate because we see how they operated, right? God is consistent. Now, God is not stuck, right? God is not confined to doing things. God has chosen to operate in a way that is consistent for us. It's for our benefit. If you remember in the matter of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram, when they had that rebellion, right, captured in the book of Numbers, you'll remember that Moses points out that a new thing would happen, that they would not just die some regular death, but a new thing would happen and the earth would open its mouth. Okay? So they they fell into a very limited earthquake, which opened and closed back its mouth. So it's not like God can't do new things. But even then, you notice that he, he prophesied through Moses that he was about to do a new thing. And there are several other places in the Bible where he prophesies that he's going to do a new thing. He's going to make rivers flow in the desert, right, prophetically, which he can do literally too, not trying to diminish that. Romans 15.4, for whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we, through patience and comfort of the scriptures, might have hope. Again, this stuff is written for us. It was recorded for us. And it's recorded for us to learn how things will work. In Luke 17, 26, Jesus is speaking. He says, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it also be in the days of the Son of Man. So he's telling us, study the situation with Noah because that situation is coming again. The future is manifest in the past. So it's not just prophecy that we have. It's also history. And what's even better is we get both prophecy and history and you can, you know, a lot of times people will get prophecy and they'll go all over the place with what prophecy means. But they have history where they're a little bit more constrained in how they can interpret it. And you need to make sure that when you read the past, that it helps you to put the bounds on what the future means. Again, not suggesting that God can't do new things. Right? This is not a limitation on God. This is God revealing to us how he wants to operate, how he intends to operate. This is not us confining God or putting him in a box or any of those cute phrases. This is God telling us, I am going to do things and you can look back in history to see how they were done to have a sense of how they will be done. This is for our benefit, us knowing the pattern. Okay? Jesus wouldn't go out of the way to say, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the Son of Man, if in fact he meant, I'm going to do everything differently. The angels wouldn't have said, you will see him come in like manner as you have seen him go. They wouldn't say all of those things if he was planning to do it differently. It is because he's planning to do it the same way that he tells us that, so that we're not fooled by people inventing other ways and suggesting other things. We know how Christ will return, and there have been all sorts of speculation about how he'll return, but the Bible's pretty clear that he will go the way the disciple, that he will come the way the disciples saw him go. And there are several accounts of how the disciples saw him go. So when we hear someone say, oh, Christ is this way, and he's coming in here, and I heard about his coming, and I, you can say, no, sorry, none of those match what we've already been told about what God is going to do. 
the future is manifest in the past. This is another reason why the whole Bible is important. When you go throwing out good chunks of the Bible because you don't see the purpose for it or you don't think it matters because Christ has come and now it's not important to know what Moses did or what Ezekiel did or any of that, you are throwing out half of your information about the future because the past isn't just valuable for the past sake, it's valuable for the future's sake. There are many aspects of the future that God intends for us to know and he uses both prophecy and history to show them to us. Thus, we should be willing to seek out patterns that help us better understand the principles of the Bible so that we are prepared. One of the ideas that people have about the future is that before all the bad things come, God's people will be yanked out and not have to see or witness any of it, despite what Psalm 91 says. But if you look at the past, you'll find that that's not true. Israel wasn't taken out of Egypt and then all 10 plagues fell on, on Egypt. Israel was in Egypt for the plagues. Three of the plagues they experienced with the Egyptians and seven of the plagues fell on the Egyptians but did not harm them. It fell near them because they were in Egypt and it fell on the Egyptians there, but it did not befall them as Psalm 91 points out, right? Noah was not placed on the moon while the earth was flooded. He was placed in an ark on top of the flood. He was in it. He experienced it. Daniel had to go in the lion's den. Everybody didn't just fall down dead outside and he could go about his business. The three Hebrew boys stood up and were thrown into a fiery furnace that did not harm them. Everything that we look at in history suggests that God's people, that God protects his people in the midst of the chaos in the midst of the chaos not that he removes them from the chaos and if you throw out the history then of course you can come to erroneous conclusions but if you retain the history then you will be more accurate in how you interpret the prophecy and you will be prepared for those things that will come upon the earth thanks for taking this time to study with us today we encourage you to prayerfully review the booklet in conjunction with this recording. Let's close our study with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the consistency and the meticulous way in which you've protected it, arranged it, given us the principles whereby we should study it and render assistance to us through your Holy Spirit for understanding it. Please help us to have a desire to study your word Please help us to study it diligently and please help us to rightly divide it and come to the right conclusions in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening in. And if you have any questions, be sure to send them to BibleQuestions at ASBZone.com and we will do our best, by God's grace, to provide you with biblical answers to those questions. If you are finding these studies to be a blessing, please let us know all about it and also share these studies with others. Until we meet again next time, may God richly bless you as you study His Word.